Hey, welcome back to Other Minds and Hands. This is episode, what is it, episode 23? 23. 23. And I'm here in person. And Maggie is here in person. This is a very special day on Other Minds and Hands um, and the beginning of a very special weekend of Rings of All Power and Rings and Realms activities. Yeah. yeah, so Maggie's here. That's the main Yay, thing. guys, I'm like so beyond excited that I don't have to fend off my dog during this episode. <laughs> the Wi-Fi is probably going to, you know, hold out. It's it's pretty great. So I'm, yeah. I'm pumped to be here in person. Yeah, very exciting. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're going to be doing um, Other Minds and Hands here. And, of course, we can, uh, we'll be... Uh, interested in your questions uh, as we go along as usual um, and we're also going to have a special guest here today which we'll introduce in a minute so first let's we're going to talk let's talk about what the next few days look yeah, like yeah let's talk about the, the plan there's a lot going on um, so it's going to have a similar shape to what we normally do um, but there's going to be some really some really fun stuff that we're doing so uh, we're doing other minds and hands right now then later on tonight we're going to be doing the watch party for the finale when that drops well, I was about to say like normal, except it's not going to be right. like normal. Normal time, normal, normal time. web address and all that, but yeah. it's going to be in here. And if we could turn the camera around, we would, but we're facing a army of sofas. That's <laughs> it. We have got its whole seating gallery set up here in the studio. Um, so we're going to be live here. So I, you will be able to, uh, to tune in and watch with us tonight. Um, we'll have the chat going. And then afterwards, Maggie and I will be able to do some Q&A in front of the live audience, as well as uh, taking some of your questions. So so it's going to be uh, a, sort of a big event, which of course is also likely to be fairly late this evening. Which We're will hearing be, rumors which will that be fun. it's about two hours long. It, or so less, but anyway, we'll yeah, who knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah, there are all kinds of rumors swirling, but we'll Things see. we can't control will be here anyway. Exactly. <coughs> so then we'll we're going to go get some sleep. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, and then we'll be back in the morning. Um, so Maggie and I are going to be broadcasting our Twitter Spaces show on Friday afternoons like normal here. Uh, from here, that is. Well, no, it's not normal to do it from here. But no, well, you won't see us. We'll be on our right. phones. We'll but be doing we, will, it, we will be at Studio we'll be Lab here. doing yep. it here. And then we're going to be filming the episode eight of Rings and Realms all afternoon and evening tomorrow. Which is going to be a bit of a change because usually we have the weekend to kind of digest yes. and sit with this. But yes. hopefully. Once before we did Fine. an episode on Friday, yeah. but it's not been usual. Um, but of course, the other thing that's going to make it unusual and even more fun is going to be having a live studio audience. So we're going to have a live studio audience for the last episode of Rings and Realms, which is going to be great fun. I think we're yeah. probably going to do some um, extra fun stuff. interactive things. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That I have all kinds of ideas and, of course, waiting to see what actually happens in the episode to uh, figure out. Everybody's got their bingo cards ready. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to be intense. It is going to be intense. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that stuff's all happening is all happening tomorrow. So you'll be able to see uh, the new episode of Rings and Realms, and you'll be wait till you see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. All, all, all kinds of new stuff. Um, but let us bring on our special guest. Let's do it. Because we have with us uh, the the, uh. the linguistic Jedi here today. I James can't even Tauber. look at him with a straight face. <laughs> James Tauber <laughs> from the Digital Tolkien Project. Welcome. Oh, man, it is so good to have. Uh, thank you, James, for joining <laughs> us today. Yeah. There uh, you go. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. You're welcome. Um, so before we get into discussing the episodes, I wanted to talk just for a couple minutes about uh, language yeah. stuff, because we've not talked much about languages um, during Rings and Realms to this point. Um, so I wanted to, to kind of address some of this stuff. What are some of the things that you notice uh, most in their, like, 
What's really jumped out at you in the first seven episodes about their use of Tolkien's languages? Yeah, so I mean, I want to start off by by pointing out that that Tolkien himself, in his writing, is always very careful to take would they know what words right. would they know and right. everything. And and throughout Lord of the Rings, he does a, a, an amazing job of sort of shifting, dealing with sociolinguistic aspects of of the different people in the scene and so on. And I really think the show has done a good job of taking those same sorts of things into account. One of the challenges, of course, in any television or film is what language do you speak? And right. you, you see it in films all the time, and right? And do they share it? I exactly. Yeah. Um, but you see all the time, for example, in, in Cold War thrillers when they're speaking Russian or something, you, you'll sometimes get a couple of lines of dialogue in Russian that's subtitled, and then they'll fall into English. And the assumption yeah. is, well, they're speaking, actually speaking Russian, but rather than continue to speak have subtitles, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. We'll switch to English. And so a really important aspect of any kind of adaptation for the screen is what language is English mm -hmm. representing? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, in, in the case of Lord of the Rings, English is almost always representing Westron or the common speech. And, and Tolkien himself talks about this. It's, it's something that he describes as doing in Lord of the Rings, that when you see people speak in English, it's just his translation into right. English of what they're actually saying in Westron. If they're speaking the Rohiric language, then he'll translate it into Old English and so on. And of course, that's how he does his wonderful retcon of the, the uh, Volospar names for the dwarves in The Hobbit. He, oh, right. he right. you know uses the excuse of, oh, well, they have secret names. Um, I've used the names that the men of the Dale would have used for them. The commonly spoken. But I'm representing that in Old Norse, and, and, right. and so that's sort of... Right, in order to represent <laughs> their linguistic <laughs> relationship to it, it, the... the exactly. Acknowledging that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So coming back to Rings of Power, one of the really interesting things that initially disturbed me a little bit was that we were getting a decent amount of Quenya, but no common language that would have been spoken amongst yeah. the elves, at least. Uh, the Numenorians had a bit of a split, which becomes important to, the <laughs> to their story. Uh, you know, the Numenorians had their own uh, language, Adonaic, although the nobility and then the intelligentsia uh, ended up speaking Elvish as well, and that became sort of a, a bit of a split when the language got banned and so on. Um, but in the Second Age, there was no Westron like we see in, in Lord of the Rings. And so the question is, well, what language are these characters actually speaking to one another? And of course, when Gil-galad and Elrond, for example, are speaking in Lindon, right. they probably would have spoken Sindarin. Right. right. And, uh, but that's just conveyed, represented in the show as English. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, I think, why we don't hear it in Sindarin. Right. The reason that we don't hear much Sindarin in, in, in Rings of Power is because they're actually speaking it so much. Exactly. <laughs> okay. It's, it's not what that they're the neglecting it. Exactly. It, it, we it hear the Quenya that. because that's what stands out right. among it, all of the probable it, Exactly. So yeah. they choose, when they do speak a language other than English, it's always marked. It's always to indicate something unusual about the speech situation. And so it was really interesting that the bits of Sindarin that we got, other than, of course, names of places and people, because there's right. plenty of Sindarin names, but, but in terms of actual utterances of, of Sindarin, the only examples we've had so far are the conversations with horses. With horses. Right, right, right. Yes, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. It's, it's definitely horses that speak Sindarin. <laughs> that is our conclusion. the clearest thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, horses aren't allowed to speak Quenya. No. Um, <laughs> or the good horses, maybe. But, uh, but um, yeah, so we, we got Galadriel saying, not a limb, not a limb, yeah. to, um, to uh, her horse. 
of course, uh, mirroring Glorfindel in the books yep. and yep. and uh, and Arwen in the, in okay. the Peter Jackson films. Uh, and then we also, when Elendil plays Horse Whisperer, yes, mm -hmm. he speaks Cinder in Cinder yeah. as well. So it's interesting that that's what they chose yeah. to, to use Cinder for. Um, and it explains why, like a lot of people had an issue with uh, Quenya being used between Adar and Arondir. Yeah. Early on, they speak Quenya to one another. But they only speak a little bit of Quenya. They s actually speak English as well. Which you assume is Sindarin. Uh, I'm, I'm they would have spoken, oh yeah. yeah. So I, I have a lot less of an issue yeah. <laughs> with, with the, uh, the lack of Sindarin now. Realise that they're actually paying a lot of attention to who's, what languages are being spoken by, mm -hmm. by uh, the various parties, yeah. And it's, what would, like the Southlanders, have been because you said, as you say, there's no there's no Westron. Right. So what would we know about the language of the Southlanders? It's this is probably some of those unknown languages to which Tolkien ascribes some of the names of rivers and beacon hills and things yeah, like that. Yeah, to right. Westron, and in fact, even in Appendix F of Lord of the Rings, he does describe that uh, the common speech emerged from the need of Numenorians mm -hmm. in Pelagia, which we heard right. in, uh, in Episode Seven mentioned. Uh, needing to speak with the low men. Right. And so it's sort of a, the Westron emerged as a combination of the Adonaic language that the Numenorians spoke and whatever the local language of the, of the low men uh, was in that area too. Yeah. Yeah. Very yes. Cool. And that's uh, obviously, as you say, it's always a challenge in film. It's, you know, whether you're going to do a, a dodge like the Universal Translator in Star Trek, right, or, or something else. But I mean, clearly the, the places where there is really rigorous about it, right? You know, what are they, like, what are they, what are they all speaking to the orcs? You know, what are the Numenorians speaking to Halbrand, uh, you know, when they're in private? Because, um, you know, what exact, what, you know, he wouldn't have known Adonaiic, right. uh, presumably, right? Oh. And <laughs> they wouldn't have known whatever language he had. So, yeah. I mean, it's, there are some places where I'm like, you know, you know, too much realism is going to make it really difficult yeah. yes. <laughs> to yes. have. What? And just in along. terms of like story too, I feel like there's so many different factors at play here that for us it's it's fun, a fun game, but for the layperson it's a lot to keep up with. So if you also added subtitles to that throughout the entire episode, I think right. you'd lose a whole lot of people. So it's it's nice to have that perspective of like they've already made that decision. The writing system, um, they they we haven't actually heard any Adonai. Right. Uh, so they haven't invented that language. I guess, except for uh, uh, Arian Zildun. We well, we, yes, true. We get names. Again, <laughs> we get, we get names, names. But yeah. in terms of, of Actually, uh, conversation, conversation mm -hmm. yeah. again, yeah. Pr presumably because speakers of Adonaic would be represented as English. As English, right. When uh, we're getting the dining room scenes in Numenor and everything. Yeah. But yeah. We, do, we do get a decent amount of a, of a new writing system that was not developed by Tolkien. It was de developed uh, for the show in particular. Um, that's really just a transliteration of English. They're mm. not. It's not a writing system being applied to a different language. It's just the letters of the <laughs> you know, sounds of the English language yeah. uh, being written in a, in a different uh, way. But y you see a lot of it in the background. They've done a lot of work in the in the set decoration of of incorporating this new writing system into Numenor. And that kind of detail, I mean, I've seen so many pictures and stills on Twitter where people have zoomed in and trying to read Celebrimbor's, you know, plans and stuff and seeing what the scrawl is in the margins. Yeah. That's the stuff that you want to get right because somebody will freeze frame that and zoom in. And if you do get it right, like all the credit, all the credit is given. Yeah. Yep. Uh, brownie points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, so I think we, we have to acknowledge linguistically that there is you know, they're kind of cu they're, they're cutting some corners. It's not a hundred percent realistic, and they have to do that. Um, but I do think that that um, if if people can kind of 
get that sense of, okay, in any given scene, what language is English probably representing? Again, fudging mm -hmm. in the case of people from totally different linguistic groups conversing with each other. Um, but uh, but that, I think that really does make things easier. It was, to me, the really puzzling thing at first. Like, why is everybody speaking yeah, Quenya? Like, that didn't make any sense. Right, whereas, um, of course, in contrast, in, say, the Peter Jackson films, it made sense to have a lot more center in because the default language was Westron. Was Westron, right. Um, and so I, I think it's important to recognize that whenever you do hear something that's other than English, it's because it's an interesting linguistic right, situation. Right, decision. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. As was that's most really obvious, nice. for instance, in the, in the overheard Kuzdul conversation uh, in episode seven, yes. right, when Elrond responds mm. to that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And how telling would that be, the fact that he knew some of that language? Pretty significant. That was a big because deal. Because not just I mean everybody would know They clocked that. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I even... I mean, I don't know what you guys think about this, but when King Durin compliments mm. Elrond, I heard that as also a side jab at oh. his son. Like, you know, he's saying, so you have learned some of, what have you been, you've been teaching him, Kuzdil, my son, without permission? Oh, Interesting right. to learn. Like, I think he's, I think it's, it's a jab yeah. at Prince Durin as well, that, you know, like, how did this guy... Le yeah. Wait, I don't have to guess where this guy learned Kuzdul. I know who oh, must see, have taught it to him. I didn't even clock that, but that makes total sense. I took it as like, I don't, I'm not impressed by your little party trick. You know, right. like you politician you, that yeah. means nothing to me. I didn't even think about it as a dig to Durin Younger. I think, well, I, I, th I think it's that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that too. But yeah, I do think that there's a, uh, uh, a like, I am acknowledging that I see what you've done. Yeah, to, yeah. It's not exactly chiding him or not exactly rebuking him. But I think it's a potentially but, an implicit rebuke. And also aligns when he says, I love him like a brother, as if he had been fired in my mother's womb. That, you that, know, that was not that, okay. That blew so, the lid off. Yeah, yeah. having that yeah. kind of alignment. So you can see yeah. that seed being sown with the language right. first. Exactly. Not being acceptable. Exactly. Cool. Yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that was, that was, it was, that was the first Kuzdal we've heard yeah. in the show. Yes, so far, so. Yeah. yeah. I've been waiting for that. Um, Though again, it's interesting with the whole English is the, so again presumably when we're getting those private conversations between Dorn and Disa, right. English is Kuzdul yep. at that yeah. point, right? Yep. So um, I wonder what language they're meant to have been speaking when Elrond is there. Do you, do you think they're speaking Sindarin together? I would imagine Sindarin. Yeah, that would make the most sense. So yeah. the dwarves would be fluent in Sindarin. Well, Dorn and Disa yeah. at least. Dorin would. We would seem. Yeah, I mean, there was enough interaction between dwarves and in Valerian, sometimes for good or worse, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with um, with the elves that they would have would have spoken Sindarin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's um, let's get back to episode seven. Yeah. Because there are a bunch of stuff that we didn't talk about. So in Rings and Realms, we didn't get to talk about Elendil and Isildur. And Isildur. That was one of the one of one of the major omissions that I didn't have time to get around to. Um, of course, it was really funny uh, in our live watch party, right? When like everyone was, you know, we were discovering corpses and everything, and uh, and so of course we were all like, "Well, I like Isildur's chances of survival." And then a house falls on him, and we're like, "Well, oh, just kidding." <laughs> okay, didn't see that coming, right? Um, but I mean, I, I still suspect he's going to survive. You obviously. think? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you could be. Yeah. You could put money on that. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm, he has a job to do later. I know I'm so going out on a limb there, yeah. but I think Isildur is not dead. 
Um, but I thought that that was, so there's several things that I, that I found were really interesting about that whole trip. The, and the most obvious effect during episode seven was the impact on Elendil, mm. right? Mm. Um, that Elendil, and you see the impact that his grief had on him. He's already kind of torn in two ways, right? He clearly has sympathies with the faithful. That's obvious. But he's not just anti, like Isildur is fed up with Numenor, right? Considers the Numenor that he's grown up with not the real Numenor. Mm -hmm. um, that conversation with Galadriel was really interesting and really revealing. Elendil clearly does not feel that way, and I love that. I love how they are depicting Elendil's love for Numenor and his appreciation of like he 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 genuinely loves. Yeah, Numenor. what was his line about the past is the the past? What he says, the past is dead. The past is dead. The past is dead. Referring to the the, the old ways. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Um, he's a pragmatist. He's he kind is. of this is what where Numenor is at now. Yeah. And we've got to be loyal to that. So right. at first, like in that conversation, yep. I thought he was just being completely pragmatic, right? I want to protect my kids and in order for like my family not to get in trouble and like my kids not to get arrested or whatever, um, or, or even just shunned, um, they need to, you know, I'm trying, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting a Sildur into the Sea Guard, right? Um, uh, they're getting, uh, working anyway to get Aryan into the guilds, mm -hmm. right? So. Um, that again, that seemed to be just a like you know keep your nose clean, you know do the right thing. In episode five, I think it was, um, uh, yeah five when he's rebuking Isildur for uh, doing lip service only mm. to the traditions of this isle. Um, uh, I, I loved his line when Is when Isildur says. I want to do something worthy of Numenor. And he says, and what would that be? Right. In your words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. <laughs> right. Tell me the answer to that one. Uh, I, I, I love that. Because he can, like, and Isildur couldn't articulate it, but yeah. he can. Yeah. And he considers, like, being in the Sea Guard and being a member of the guilds and being one of the Queen's Guard and, you know, all of the, like, mainstream stuff. He seems not just to be giving lip service to that. Like, he really cares. Well, and he it really seems to be, that. like, a really physical tie to himself as well. I mean, he was beyond homesick when they were in Middle Earth. He was very much like, get me back there right now because I don't feel good in this, mm -hmm. this location. I need to go back to my homeland. So it felt like an actual, like, true connection to the Earth. Right. Right. Um, and then when his grief does pick up and you have that kind of effect, everything slowed down for him. And I thought that was that was a, a big yeah. visual of like he nothing worked. So he, he couldn't function anymore. He wasn't at home. He didn't have that to power up. He didn't have a son, couldn't have that to power up and just shut down. And the way that he then immediately turned around to blame Galadriel. Yeah. Right. Um, and that if, you know, wishing that he hadn't picked her, picked up, her up, you know, off the raft, um, seeing his own role in this. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's an interesting almost inversion of Nori's perception, right? Where Nori mm -hmm. perceives that this, this chance meeting happened for a reason and she doesn't know what it is, but there's this greater, you know, the, you know but there's something she has to do, like Sam would say, right? Um, Elendil was in that same kind of position, almost exactly the same, mm -hmm. right? Coming across the unconscious people, <laughs> right, in the raft. It's in the ocean instead of a crater, but, um, but very similar kind of chance meeting. And now he's resenting that, regretting that, um, and really questioning the whole thing. What kind of an impact is this going to have on his faithfulness, faithful status, right? His yeah. status among the faithful, his relationship with the elves and the elvish tradition. Um, 
And of course, he's left before he's going to find out that Elendil was alive. Um, so what impact it's going to have Isildur. on him and his... Isildur. Yeah. What did I say, Elendil? Elendil. Yeah, right. that's Elendil that yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got um, there. before he finds out that Isildur is alive. Yeah. Um, so I think his trajectory is clearly going to be complicated by this. I'm going to... I wonder what his... Re now, remember, he's going to be going back, and Aarion's there. Aarion, the full Farazhan supporter, is going to be there. So it's going to be him and Aarion. Aarion, who is already grieving, right? And now whose worst fears are going to be almost worst fears. I mean, only 50% of them died instead of all of them. But um, one at least of her worst fears has been confirmed, which would seem to, you know, set her in that way. Yeah, I mean, I can't help but think of that scene where they, you know, would cut between her in tears and Isildur with a smile and exci yes. yeah, excitement yeah. on his face. Yes, right? and exactly. Yeah. And that's the last we saw of her. Stark contrast. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, and now how is she going to be impacting Elendil? Right? And how are they going to be feeding off each other, grieving now at home? And, and um, you know, so I think that she is likely to be fairly instrumental in helping to push Elendil down perhaps a, you know, in a dark direction yeah. for a little while. And a resentful one. Yes. Yeah, so it's not yeah. going to be somewhere he willingly goes, and that's going to dig a, a deep scar. And we saw his strong reaction to Muriel's oath to return, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, so I'm thinking that Elendil, for a while, is going to be pretty squarely in Farazhan's camp, is mm -hmm. what I expect. That'll, that'll shift again, right, uh, down the road. But, because um, remember, this is one of the things from the beginning that's so important to keep in mind for this show, long trajectory. Right? It's a long yeah. road to the end of the, you know, it's, he's gonna get to the last alliance, but there's a long ways yeah. to go. And, and I feel like there's been a lot done even in this first season. Like yes. I often think, wow, they've, they've put that in season one. How much more can yes. they do? Yeah, yeah. Whether, yes. whether it's you know, Galadriel's shift or Elendil's shift, right? This, right. Is, this is just the first shift yes. <laughs> that we're going to see. There's a lot yes. more that can still happen to, to both characters. Yeah. Well, and I think so much of that feeds into the pacing that we've been talking about, too. Like, each season has to have its own arc, but the whole series needs to have a single arc. So it's yeah. been nice to see. Like, I really felt like there was a shift in this episode that everybody's arc really started taking off for the big arc. Yeah. Whereas the yeah. season arc, we've, we've had a, a fair bit, but we just really have started the acceleration on the big arc for mm -hmm. everybody on this one. Yeah, no, I think that's gonna be, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm bracing myself for Elendil to be like not quite an antagonist, but. Not supportive. Not supportive, yeah. yeah. What role do you think Anarian, the other son, will have in all of this? So Anarian seems to be positioned, and I'm hoping we get Anarian in season two. Um, he's already in West Numenor, which is where the Conclave of the Faithful is, right? So I'm assuming he is going to be the voice of the 100%, you know, died in the wool faithful that we've not gotten. Yeah. I mean, you know, Muriel is kind of in the closet, right? Elendo is even deeper in the closet, just having kind of, you know, inclinations in that direction. Anarian is, is, is I think, going to be the, the voice of the faithful in that way, which then again, will be really interesting, especially if Elendo is trending in this direction, right? That'd be really antagonistic. Yeah, yeah. Really, and there was, he already has some antagonism for Inarian, whom he clearly feels was like deserting the family and their traditions and, and even, in a sense, perhaps even betraying Numenor itself in some sense. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it not like politically betraying it 
you know, like to its enemies or something like that, but um, sort of ideologically betraying Numenor. Um, at least I was getting some of those vibes from, from Elendo when he was talking about Anarion in that very first dinner scene, which I need to go back and watch again, because so much has happened since we were back in episode three, three? I think it was, yeah, yeah. ages ago. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, so, but then meanwhile, Isildur, I'd o I've only just started thinking through the implications of Isildur remaining in Middle-earth, Okay. right? So, okay, he's likely to end up in Pelargir. I wonder, I wonder if we're going to, get, so one of the questions we've had about the chronology, mm -hmm. the biggest challenge in the, so, you know, we've squished everything into the end of the Second Age, which is fine, that can work. But the biggest chronological question was the time to build Minas Tirith and Minas Ithil and Osgiliath before the Last Alliance. Mm -hmm. um, if Numenor falls at the end of season four, you know, one possibility that we've discussed that I've suggested before, maybe there'll be a time gap between season four and season five, right? Uh, you know, the, the island falls and Elendil and Isildur and Inarion end up, um, uh, you know, back in Middle-earth. And then season five, we start, some time has passed, they've built later. cities, yeah. right? So we, because we, we, we could, you know, I don't know, you could skip a decade yeah. maybe and it would be okay, you know, wouldn't. It depends how you handle it. I mean, we've, I, I haven't been watching the, um, what's it called, the Game of Thrones one, House of Dragons. I haven't been watching that, but there has been a lot of feedback on that about them skipping decades and people being really jarred by that. But if you handle it well and we're talking about a compressed timeline anyway and you come back in and establish this is what happened. I mean, right. we have right. training montages that do the same thing. We're just going to do that over right. the course of a couple of decades. And if it's buildings. between seasons, it's yeah. a little less jarring than if it happens between episodes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if Isildur's already there, I wonder. You know, there's going to be, there are Numenorians that are staying. Are they going to rebuild Pelargir? Mm. Are they going to move from there? Like, are we going to get, actually, the cities of Gondor beginning construction? Now, like between, so like from okay. from season two through to season four, it would give Isildur something to do. It would really like you know cut him off from the father, have that independence, find his own feet, and find his way to lead in this new world. Right, he, he with becomes the influence a of the old one. Yeah, especially since he wanted to escape from Numenor anyway. Right, right? he'd be living his best life and not here. under the shadow of his dad or his old, or his brother. Yeah, or Narian, sister. Who's already know, yeah exactly without those expectations. Totally on his own. I like that. Um, and. And again, it, it, would, it, would, it would begin to lay some of these, some of the foundations. So I don't know, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that that's gonna happen, but yeah. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, you don't lose much in terms of Isildur's storyline. The theft of the fruit is probably the only thing you would mm. miss out as a result of that. But there, he just, he, he'd have to go back at some point, right? And there'd, there'd be time. Mm -hmm. I mean, so for instance, I, I, I could imagine, and you're right, the, the big job that he has back in Numenor, he has two Mm -hmm. And and I still insist. I will be so disappointed if I don't see a Sildor hauling the stone of Erech to the boat. Uh -huh. <laughs> I yes. mean, he's got to bring the stone of Erech. I on board with his enormous six-foot diameter pet rock. <laughs> I absolutely insist. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing uh. Janie and Patrick dirty letters if. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, this feels like a fan art competition. Like, we're going to make that happen for you, Corey. It if it's happen. not in the show. It has to happen. There comes a Sildur rolling yeah. his boulder down the pier. No, just carrying it on a little line. Yeah. Some wheels <laughs> on a cart. It on a, exactly. So good. Has to happen. But anyway. Uh, priorities. But he could, like, 
he could, for instance, Sauron could, go, could be there already, and things could be really going downhill fast in Numenor, and he could hear about it and go back to like rescue his family or whatever, right? You mm -hmm. know, so, and, and then he'd be back in plenty of time to steal the fruit and, and whatever else, right? So um, he doesn't have to have been in Numenor the whole, there's no story reason why he has to right. have been there the whole time. Right. Um, and with the, with our comfort, with relatively swift travel in this show, he can get back to Numenor, not, yeah. not a problem, yeah. right, later on. So, um, and again, there's so, I mean, who knows how many opportunities there will be for that kind of thing. Um, uh, at the very least, when the, new, when the Numenorean army comes to overthrow Sauron and bring Sauron back, would be the opportunity he for him come to, back then. Yeah, yeah. to meet Elendil again and, and return with him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, so I, I'm not too worried about you know about that happening, about the um, uh, the yeah yeah um, about 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 him him being able to be there for his one job. Two, 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 two jobs. Two jobs. Two jobs, two jobs uh, in Numenor. Um, but yeah, I'm the independent Isildur arc. Is That's one a big that deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, because yeah. otherwise, as you said, there isn't much for him to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and for, for two or three seasons. And when you think about like you know any kind of heroic archetype, like they have to have that separation from the other. So like we have this expected life that he's supposed to lead. He's not comfortable in it. He's already kind of chomping at the bit. We have now cut that tie. Now he has the independence to lead his own story. And yeah. we don't know what that is. Like, we know what the end result is from yeah. the story, but won't it be fun to see this kind of growth? Yeah. No, uh, getting him out from under Elendil's shadow, I think, is yeah. a really fascinating thing. In some ways, the little incident with Isildur and Kemen, I was hoping we weren't going to get a whole lot more of that mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know, like, it, that, that resulted in him getting on the ship and coming to Middle-earth, but like... Because it felt goofy, because well, it... no, I just mean like the... Convenient. I don't know, it was, um, it was kind of, I don't know, it was very, like, minor leagues mm. for Isildur, right? I mean, like, him stowing away on the boat and performing this small act of attempted heroism, which didn't work to stop him, that is, followed by the more interesting and larger act of her heroism of rescuing him despite the fact that it was his fault, Kemen's fault. Um, uh, but yeah, like what I didn't want is there to be this whole like Aarian, Kemen, Isildur running behind the scenes plot, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that, that's the thing that, I mean, I do believe we're going to get an Aarian and Kemen sort of behind the scenes plot. Um, but, um, but exactly what Isildur's role in that, like, I say minor leagues, like I felt like it, for him to be just like relegated to that kind of plot would not have seemed yeah. to me to be moving him in the direction that ultimately he's going to he need needs to be. He needs his bigger arc. In the, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he does need, need a bigger arc. And there's much more room in Middle-earth. Yeah. Um, if he's going to be, because they all left. Mirio left, Elendil left, even Volondil left, right? So they've left soldiers, mm -hmm. but who's in charge? Right. So there's, there's, a, there's a vacuum, right, a leadership vacuum, even among the Numenorians. Um, not to mention a leadership vacuum in the Southlands. We have Bronwyn still, right? But to see like Bronwyn and Isildur and Arondir being the ones who mm -hmm. are kind of now leading that, um, which again, I suspect to be, I didn't see this coming when we were first meeting the Southlanders plot in, in the, you know, like the first few episodes. But now the move to Pilar Gear 
says to me, like, this is, this is proto-Gondor. Right. Mm. Right. Well, and we thought we were going to have Halbrand there as the new king and right. whatnot, so we thought he would be taking the reins and leading that, but no, he's got to go get some elvish medicine. So Apparently, Yeah, yes. so that yeah. does kind of remove that leader element. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So so without Halbrand, now, you know, and let's hope that Halbrand returns to uh, uh, confront issues with his kingship, if not to take it up. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I'm still holding out hope. And explain uh, some of that. our conspiracy theories. Explain some of yeah. our conspiracy theories. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I think no matter how that comes out, Isildur's role um, would, because he wouldn't necessarily be like an obvious rival for Halbrand, right? Halbrand yeah. knew him. Remember there was, that, there was that one moment when Isildur gets up in the apple-eating scene, right, with him, with him and the horse, right, um, which everybody really fixates on for some reason. I have to admit, I've not like really been upset by no, the apple No, that scene. didn't really bother me. Like, Th throwing it away was a little obnoxious. Just eat it, give it to the horse. But right. you know, but they things that take you out of, of the it. story. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's not like he threw an untouched apple out into We're still it. talking about the apple. Yeah. yeah. I think people's issue was him eating it after the horse had taken oh, it. Oh, yeah. see, that I had no problem with. It I was throwing know. away a perfectly good apple. <laughs> Give it back yeah. to the horse. They'll eat yeah. it. No, I mean, like... That's yeah. wasteful. I think, yeah, there were a bunch it's of a big boat. There's plenty, <laughs> plenty of room for more apples. Yeah, and they'll be in Middle Earth in We're like 10 minutes. We're still talking about anyway, the dang so. apple, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the horse, though. This is the thing I mentioned in Rings and Realms, that I feel like it's just going to be an exact Aragorn moment. The horse is gonna, has been set free. He's going to go find a sealed or he's going to yeah. ride back into... They've set it up too much for yeah. them not to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to find each other. Yay, rescue. So yeah, and that's... I'm trying not to get distracted by it because it's not yeah. that big of a deal plot-wise, and it's a nice moment. But if you know the trilogy, the Jackson trilogy so well, it's, it's a little hard to separate that and not be like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I do... I have felt that in the last couple episodes, episode six and seven, the links back to... Especially seven. The links back to the Jackson films have become more obtrusive. And a bit more obvious. Yeah. They were very subtle. So yeah, I was talking about this in Rings and Realms where it's like, there's only a few that have really taken me out of the narrative. Right. But most of them came in this episode. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the Elvish Medicine line, right? Mm -hmm. um, there have been other lines, but they've, when they've had other lines that they've taken from the film, they've not just like recycled them. And they've made sense too. They've you made know? sense, and or even they've recontextualized them in a way which was, I mean, like the the uh, salt pork line oh, yeah, right. yeah. on the way into Moria, yeah. right? When Elrond's false confidence approaching mm -hmm. Moria for the first time echoes Gimli's false confidence mm -hmm. in the film, and I loved that because I felt they were practically trolling mm. yeah. Peter Jackson yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. that moment, right? Um, Elrond's false confidence is so much better grounded. Gimli's false confidence is utterly mystifying. Right. Why on earth would he assume mm -hmm. yeah. that Balin was still in charge yeah. in Moria? Um, certainly from a book standpoint, it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, no one's heard from him in 30 years and they're all presumed dead. Um, and I get this question all the time. Why, why, would why he was he so surprised? And I'm like, yeah, doesn't make any sense to me either. Oh. Um, he shouldn't have been. It's relieving. Um, but um, so taking that false confidence and transferring it onto Elrond, um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a totally different context and for a totally different reason, um, I, I, th I thought it was very clever. It was very funny. But again, the like he needs elvish medicine thing just note seemed like note. a forced parallel. Yeah and, yeah, and same with like Keen to the Eyes of the Elves when they're standing on the ship deck. And, you know, we've, we heard that in Two Towers. So it's, 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 
I don't mind that so much. I, I guess right. I'm just well, going to take a deep breath and move along. That one's a direct Tolkien quote. And it's pointing out so. a skill that is really amazing. So it's right. quite nice to have those moments directly from Tolkien to be like, ah, right. we are, you know, incredibly gifted yeah. people and I can witness it now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but no, but I, I mean, I was thinking, uh, it made me think of the movie moment mm -hmm. as well. Uh, there, not just the fact that it's a Tolkien quote. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, so we'll see what happens with the horse, but I think we can all agree that that's going to happen. Exactly. Uh, well, at least there's no one that a Sildor could be dreaming of when the horse <laughs> starts licking so his we're face. We're not going to have like a, like a uh, Sildor and the horse make-out scene <laughs> like, we, like yeah. we almost got? Yeah. yeah. Is there yeah. some other subplot with Kemen that we don't know about? <laughs> uh, maybe Kemen, maybe. That's right. <laughs> Might have given him there a mouth. There was a rescue, I'm just saying. I don't know, yeah. yeah. But uh, I thought that's what he would be fantasizing about, great. probably. Yeah. Moving swiftly Moving on. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> yes, there we go. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, I, I will be interested <laughs> to see how, I mean, obviously, Beric is going to be instrumental uh, in finding him and bringing him back. Um, given the Aragorn was just lost, right? I mean, he just washed up on the shore of the river and Isildur was buried under rubble. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be exactly the same, but... Yeah, I mean it's clearly it's clearly buried uh, under burning rubble. Like yeah. I am interested to to see the how did he escape that one, but they'll yeah. find a way. Is Isildur going to be wounded? Is he going to have scars? Ooh. Is he going to be you know uh, even even uh, like crippled in some way? I like, was it's like possible. What if they pull an amnesia storyline in here and we he doesn't know that he's Isildur for many years? Whoa! I know. Just crossed my mind. Just happened. Whoa. We'll see. He'd presumably find out, as there are other Numenorians around. Somebody would recognize him eventually, but yeah. not if he's scarred and bandaged and everything else. Yeah, because I mean, we do know we'll it's one of the things. Like he has, um, he has plot protection from death right. at this point. But, but that's about it. Only death. Yeah. I mean, he just has to be able to. And we uh, assume at the end he knows who he is. Right. Because we do have the father-son dynamic at the end as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I do think that he, um, yeah, he could be, him being scarred would be interesting. Mm. Would be interesting. I'm not sure. We have to totally unscathed. You know, like, I swooned briefly, but I'm fine now, <laughs> right? Um, I have a bit of soot on my cheek. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Probably right, a yes. bit more than that. Uh, probably a bit more than that. But... Do you think we'll find out in this episode? Yes. I think we will, too. I mean, we have to know some sort of continuation for season two, so yeah. we'll have enough yeah. comfort that he's okay. Yep. I if only that he's alive. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. If only that he's alive. That his storyline is still at play. I wouldn't be surprised. I think we may get him all the way to Pilargir. In fact, that may be the way we segue to Pilargir. Yeah. Bronwyn said she was gonna, they were going to go mm -hmm. to Pilargir. So I wouldn't be surprised to find them already there, and then it's a, a Sildor the finds horse, them. The horse shows, shows up. The horse up. shows up with a Sildor. With a Sildor, on. and that's that's like how we get introduced to the new the new digs uh, at Pilargir. Um, That'd be a nice visual moment. You can hear the music swelling and Barrett coming over the hill. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I was just checking the questions, and the only one I could really clock was James. Are you warm enough? <laughs> <laughs> are, you obvious, are you sweating yet? You can decloak if you, you need can to. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to see James Tauber uncloaked. <laughs> this is getting weird. Come on. <laughs> it's not like creepy when Gandalf 
uncloaks himself. Yeah, it's not quite as impressive as uh, yeah. revealing myself to be Gandalf the White. But oh, right, true. exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tauber the Black. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, oh, all right, what else happened in this episode? Okay, so that, those are the two, the Elendil and Isildur trajectories yeah. were two of, the, two of the biggest things that I wanted to make sure that we covered. And I just really still love the continuation of that relationship, too. Like, seeing his grief, Elendil's grief, yes. is just setting up such a strong shift, and I, I really appreciate that relationship. It's making me, like we've talked about before, care about them, because yeah. um, we haven't spent a lot of time with them. So the, the repeat of that relationship has been very nice. And the reconciliation in episode mm -hmm. six was really powerful. Oh, when, so oh that was so lovely. The hug. That yeah. was like one of the best father-son hugs mm -hmm. I've seen in a long time. And did you see that side by side? I saw some people taking from Jackson's trilogy uh, the same shot uh, right before he cuts off Sauron's hand. It's uh, the inverse in this one. And I right. thought that was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Foreshadow. Yeah. I really, um, I, I really, I really loved that. Um, so anyway, yeah. So we've we've got we've got that stuff. Let's okay. The um, the three the creepy cultists. <laughs> um, the one. So the two things the the two kind of vectors we got on that storyline into this episode, right? Were first their pursuit of the stranger, mm -hmm. and secondly their. Uh, taking of the acorn off of Nori's head, right? Um, those seem to be the two, th and then of course, Nori and company following along behind them. Um, oh, by the way, James, I'd be wondering what you think about this theory. I was, I, I was troubled by geography at the end of episode seven. Okay. I was troubled by geography because it seemed clear that the map sequence during the Wandering Day song mm -hmm. was suggesting that they went down almost to the Black Gate yep. and then cut east and were yes. going straight east from there yes. so that where the grove was was somewhere in like the northeast corner north of the mountains. Mm -hmm. Still close to the mountains, but yep. somewhere over there. And then Sadok is like, go this way, Greenwood the Great is right there. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Mm. Greenwood the Great is hundreds of miles away from there. But I was talking about this at Middlemoot. And I have to give props to Eric from Middlemoot who made the genius suggestion, which I became immediately convinced by, mm -hmm. which is Greenwood the Great isn't there on the Third Age map, but in the oh. Second Age, when the forests extended, when a squirrel could go from tree to tree, from Fangorn yep. all the way to the Old Forest. Yep. Um, and we know for a fact that the East Bight of Mirkwood yes. is the result of deforestation by Rovanian, yep. right? So that entire realm of Rovanian, pre-Rovanian, is it, isn't it possible that Greenwood the Great, in fact, extended through what would become the entirety of, of Rovanian? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that they deforested it. So in fact, so the, so the reason I'm looking at this map and mm -hmm. saying, holy cow, Greenwood is really, really far away. Not necessarily. The not, not then, the only The only thing that would, is unfortunate we, don't, we didn't get is in the 2019 Amazon maps. Right. Uh, because in other respects, they've given us lots of really interesting hints about things. Mm. Yes. And they certainly took into account the deforestation in Eriador. Right, in, in Eriador. From in, in the, the south Eriador. Yeah. Um, I don't recall... The bite wasn't... Certainly the... Bite the bite wasn't there. The bite yeah. wasn't there, but I don't know that it extended much further. Um, I like the theory, but it's just unfortunate that the, With the, map, the, the yeah. map doesn't actually reflect that. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly. That was, I mean, I've been, um, I've been in disbelief suspension mode uh, when it comes to geography yeah. fairly consistently, and I'm fine with that. Um, I'm fine Makes with Helpful when easier. you're riding with sepsis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Poor Halbrand is like, can, can we please make this journey move a little this along. shorter? Yeah, exactly. Portals? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I um, generally I've been I've been I've been fine with that. P people have asked me, why do I hate the bunny sled so much in the Hobbit films when I don't seem to have any problem with this? And that's actually the answer. The answer is they tried to give a ridiculous explanation. Yeah. For how they're trying. If you just like have Gandalf riding off screen in the Shire and then approaching Orthanc apparently 15 minutes later, right? I'm willing to be like, okay, I don't know how it happened. time passed, yeah. whatever, it's fine. We're moving on, we're in Orthanc now. Like, I'm not gonna be like, it would have taken him months to travel that and then therefore all these, it's fine, like whatever. Um, but when you, you know, try to give me a super fast sled pulled by rabbits and be like, and that's why. Do you know how fast these can go? I'm like, that's when I'm Don't like, oh, yeah. give me the reason don't to explain. be ridiculous. Just don't explain. Yeah. Just don't explain, and I can make up a reason why right. and, and pretend it makes sense. But if you but give me one and it's terrible, yeah, that's, there that's will what, be mockery. That's why I hate the bunny sled. But, um, <laughs> or, or just give me something like the utterly and completely hand-wavy. Mm -hmm. um, but... But but but, but it, it works because of that. It stands That's in the rule. For which Doctor it, Who does all the time, right? Yeah, right, exactly. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. That's yeah. what it's there yeah. for. And um, and again, I'm 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 fine with that. Like I've I've yeah. I've I've been given like the the TARDIS is like a non-explanation for yeah. travel, you know, which is great, fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm, yeah, I I I I hope that Halbran can suck it up with his septic wound for. Several weeks. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he can if he's a Maya. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> Back to the mystics. Back. Language. So I'm curious yes. of your opinions on oh, that. The, of the like total silent. First of all, complete like, and lack. Amazingly creepy. Mm -hmm. Like they are so much scarier. Um, it's almost like they. Uh, it's almost like well, I'm I'm sure they did. Um, read. I forget which letter it was. The famous Zimmerman script mm. uh, commentary letter. Uh, uh, from, from Tolkien's letters, um, in which he blasts the script for giving the Balrog lines. Yes. You know, and Tolkien is like, don't they realize how much scarier the Balrog yeah. is? <laughs> like, wait, what right. are they? Because it's right. just, there was no language, but they were still able to access the magic. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I'm, and, and James, you can tell me if you noticed anything that I hadn't noticed, but I was like on the set of Rings and Realms last time, I was like, is this right? Is this true? It's the only magic we've seen. The Stranger and the Mystics are doing the only, I don't think anywhere. I don't think any elf has done magic. Fireworks, arguably. The fireworks in Linden, maybe. Yeah, we don't know how they were Yeah, we don't know how it was done. I can't think of any. Um, but with that possible exception mm. of fireworks, I don't think we've seen anybody else doing magic. So it's I, I don't think so. Just yeah. that plot line, which is another. Well, and, and, and less. Well, the, the stranger healing the tree. Right, exactly. No, yeah, the, the stranger yeah. and the, the stranger mystics. The stranger and the yeah. mystics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're the only ones yeah. doing it, but yeah. the elves haven't done anything. So I think hmm. it's, it's, it's another reason why I'm thinking we're all, like, this is the wizard-related mm. subplot. I, I remember in, in when I interviewed Leith McPherson, uh, she brought up the word spell in the context of, of elvish languages. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, what do you mean teaching them 
elvish words for the spells. Right. But now, if, I mean, we've now seen it, it especially yeah. with, the, with The Stranger. With yeah. The Stranger, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Madagot brings up the sword. Yes, the hilt, mm. right, and the blade of the hilt. Yeah. Um, that is magic. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, it's... But that's that. a powerful object. That's not. It is well, and it's and, and triggered by blood rather right. than language. It, it right. was a device. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that several things about it: the incorporation of shadow, yeah, and same the use of blood, and same with the palantir. Like, there's something magical in that, but that's another object. You know, yeah, we're not that's, seeing that, that's people create. Especially, yeah, I would yeah. I, I wouldn't count the palantir. Mm -mm. Certainly not as the kind of magic that I'm talking about. But first of all, can I? Can we just like take a, a step further back from that? and how impressive that is, that just as with the books, you can step back and say like, wait, is magic happening here? Does mm. this count as magic? You know, what is it? How does magic work in the magical thing happens, right? Gandalf and his flaming pine cones, right? Or something yeah. like that, right? Um, uh, you know, Gandalf with the wolves in the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, and then you have other things where it's like, well, does this count? You know, does is Miravor magical? Is Lembus magical? Is the Palantir mm -hmm. magical? And in what's how do you define that? Right? Um, the show has really accomplished a very similar thing where magic is there is a sense of wonder that is like magic and mm -hmm. yet yeah, it's not it's not um, we have had no equivalent of like Saruman's fireball from the Peter Jackson mm. extended cut in Isengard, the Peter Jackson folks decided to go like one step over the top and saying like, I wanna, I wanna make it obvious that there's, ma and I always interpreted that as them being reluctant to take the risk, right? Like when Gandalf and Saruman confront each other, there is magic of a sort being used, right? There's power mm -hmm. happening. It's a magical confrontation. Um, even though nobody's beating on anybody else with sticks like the first time. Um, but both times, they, Peter Jackson, the Peter Jackson team chose to make the confrontation between Saruman and Gandalf visible and outward, right? First with the relatively ridiculous fight, you know, stick fight, but you know, staff fight between the two of them. And then secondly, uh, with the fireball and Yep. Gandalf is is you know impervious to the fireball, mm -hmm. um, which is a clumsy way of externalizing and visualizing his attack through his uh, voice, which Gandalf is impervious to. Right. I've seen that mm. you know um, that kind of a clumsy visualization. Trickery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's 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 really interesting to me. I think that they. They seem to have been very deliberate in trying to capture both, like, the general wonder and mystique of Middle Earth people in general, without um, actually having anybody ca casting spells. Yeah, but I definitely like the subtlety of it because it does make it seem like it just functions really well in that world. But I have missed seeing that higher level of the elves because I don't think we've seen a lot of that. You know, Keen are the eyes of the elves. I mean, that whole yep. scene about seeing the land earlier, but that felt a little like, mm, yes, I've seen it for an hour. You know. <laughs> As opposed to Just actually, slightly smug it's, there. It, yeah, it was yeah. right up there with the show. Don't tell though, too, of film. Like, don't tell me that you know. Show me something really cool so I get to kind of see that magic happening. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it walks the line. But sometimes I'm like, you can look over on this side because that part's really cool. Right. But right, yeah. Right. But yeah, it's it's always the depiction of magic into like 
you know, when you're reading Tolkien and talking about Tolkien, you know, how Tolkien treats magic is mm -hmm. a really complicated and interesting subject. And then, so, and it's a real challenge for visual adaptation yeah. because so much of the time when magic is happening, when it's not fireworks, when magic is happening, it's almost yeah. always invisible. I mean, yeah. rarely can you see it at all. And so, um, you know, to depict, like, for instance, Gandalf and Denethor's gazes locked together. Um, I was just talking with Alan about this on The Prancing Pony, that scene. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, I, think, I think that episode uh, drops this Sunday, actually, but mm. um, the actual meeting with Denethor. But, um, uh, but anyway, the, um, that kind of thing, right? I mean, on screen, it's just going to be two people staring at each right, other. Right, right. You know, how do you convey to the audience, you know, to the watching audience that you know, a, ma a magical, you know, a, a, a confrontation of wills is happening. I'm not saying Denethor does magic, but that's the point. Like, mm -hmm. where's the line? Where's the line between what Saruman does with his voice and his will and what Denethor can do mm -hmm. with his will? Um, it's not a, you know, this person can, it's not, a, it, it's not a wizard muggle situation, you know, in, in Tolkien's world. It's just not. Right. Um, and, and again, I think that they've, They've done some interesting work, I think, in making magic sort of equally uncommon in its outward and obvious manifestations, um, but also kind of implicit. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like, how do we get there? Oh, mystics, not talking. Mystics. Yep, there mystics was our path. Talking. Magic. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's, we're. We're in our home stretch here. So let's think about episode eight. Where we're going. Where we're going. First of all, we know they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we can talk about this even mm -hmm. with more information this week than last week. Um, and James, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this too. What are things, what, what are on your list of things that need to get resolved in season one? I mean, I think the most important thing has to be the fighting of the elves. Because yes. there's been such urgency put yes. into that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. The construction's got to happen by spring, we, and then we find out it's because it's all tied to the fading. So, I mean, that we need some resolution of that. Yes. Um, which I'm positive we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll get something. <laughs> yes. And we can talk a bit more about what we think that might be. Um, I don't know if we'll get any more about... Uh, Prince Durin, or no longer Prince Durin. Mm. Right, former Prince Durin. Yeah, the artist formerly known as... I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that storyline feels like it would be okay if I think it didn't we need, progress I think we can episode. leave it that I way. I mean, I hope we get a little bit more because I always want more Durin, but I feel like that is at a good place that that gives us enough strife in season yeah. two to know where he is in this moment. And, and, and similarly, I think uh, the Bronwyn, Arondir side of things... We will. I, I suspect we may see I them, think we but need I don't to see where they are. I but think I don't think we need. There's no. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to see yeah. like the setting up of camp and a sealer riding on the horse, because then we know those guys are okay and they're setting something up that gives us kind of a resting point before the next season. Yeah. So I, sus I so I think the the mystics uh -huh. and the stranger and the fading of the elves are the two things that we need to. Yeah. 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 To hit yeah. on strong in episode eight. Agreed, agreed. Those for sure. Um, and what's happening back in Numenor? I, we assume Farazhan's not up to any good or something along those lines. Yeah, I can imagine a little bit of progress on that, a reminder, uh, but I don't know that we'll... Maybe we'll just see murmurings of his 
you know, attempted mm. or beginnings of his or just kind of like surfing. the establishment of some unsettlement because she's coming back now hindered as well without any eyesight and clearly she's terrified of losing that ability and, and I, that makes me wonder what that could mean for how handicaps uh, is is accepted in Numenor and things like that if that's really going to be a big yeah. hindrance to her ruling but I think that would be enough to just kind of set up things aren't going to be shiny back in Numenor just do, yet. Do you think they're going to use the blindness as part of the usurping rather, rather, than, rather than the forced marriage? I, yes. Do you I've think we'll see a forced marriage, I guess? I've been thinking about that, and I was assuming forced marriage, but now the blindness actually does yeah. make could me think. Could facilitate that. I, this could be basically that she could end up being set aside like her father. Mm -hmm. I am not 100% sure of this, but I've got the funny feeling that the forced marriage is only in... Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales and not in Appendix A and B. I think Appendix A and B just talk, ab talk about him usurping the throne. They don't yes. mention the marriage yeah, to Muriel right. at yeah. all. So yeah. they may... So you don't need to include it. They may just decide yeah. to skip that altogether. Well, and, you know, forced marriage of your first cousin is a little... Meh. Meh. It's a little awkward. Yeah, it's yeah, a little it's awkward. awkward. I mean, it's supposed it to be awkward. Uh, yeah, right. and it's yeah, made it's clear it's that yeah, they're <laughs> defying yeah. both the elvish law and, and yeah. natural you know, the and laws the of the valor. So they acknowledge I mean, that. Yes. But in yeah. the book, it's supposed to be creepy. Right. right. Um, but We can have the same outcome and find a different conduit if we yeah. don't need to support that storyline, potentially. Especially because here's, here's the reason I bring that up. Um, it's because of the tra trajectory they're giving to Farazhan, mm -hmm. right? Um, Farazan is already on the highway to villainhood. Right. But I think they've clearly wanted to depict him in a way that at least helps us to, if not sympathize, at least understand, understand. his perspective and how, how it is that what he's doing he genuinely believes to be for the best for Numenor. Right. Um, and if, you know, the whole, I'm going to force my first cousin to marry me against her will like you've got the creepy black hat on from the beginning like i think yeah. the, 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 that's, the that's distancing that's yeah. true there's audience. nothing he's done that seems entirely self-serving it seems right. he has no. a particular view of numenor yeah. yes and yes. he is and an agenda you know, on how to accomplish that yeah. and, and he's clearly that he ambitious for his own that. power in yeah. that sure but but yeah that like there's there's there hasn't been a moment yet where he's done anything that really forces the audience to be like, ooh, e, yeah. Right. No. And that's not the vibe that I, I feel like we want to get from Matt. Right. I don't want to be creeped out by him. We want to be like concerned about his and, hunger and, for and, power. And remember that, of course, he's completely anti-Sauron at, at first. Yeah. Right. Yep. right. He, he's ambitious. He wants to be yep. <laughs> right. ruler of Middle-earth as well as Numenor. And he's also but he sees Sauron as a threat to that. And he's <laughs> also completely loyal, my queen. Yes. And, you know, very yes. serving to her. So yeah. you feel nothing but loyalty. And then you start to see these, these sowed seeds of just power hungry. I don't think about him as creepy yeah. right and this is exactly this is exactly the w what happens when you when you go like our Farazan story is how many pages in the Akalabeth right. like the whole thing is just a it's just just a couple pages so yes it's okay, like to give a clear signal at the beginning of his story which it's the beginning of it's the first thing we hear of him right um it Tar Palantir dies and he comes in and he forces Muriel to and usurps the throne and there we go um and so that's the the signal to you know where his but again he has no arc it's yes. right. yeah. it's a single thing you know he is he is himself 
a small piece in the overall arc of Numenor, which is the you know, the perspective from which we're getting the Akalabeth, for instance. Right. Um, and I, I know that's not in the appendices, but still, if you're just yeah, sort of yeah, thinking yeah. about that fuller, yep. it's the fullest story we have of it, right? But even there, he, so now we're going to be giving him a whole arc right. on its own. And so to have that arc, and it wouldn't be the beginning of it, but still be fairly close to the beginning, presumably, um, it would be, I, I'm, I'm not sure it would strike quite the same, yeah. the, the right note. So for this reason, I, I give the forced marriage about 25%. Yep. I wouldn't discount it, yep. um, but I, 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 I don't expect it. I do think that the blindness, Farazan, I mean, exactly. the perfect opportunity yeah. to say, because I don't think it would just be an injury for injury's sake. Like, I yeah. mean, it's effective in that scene. Like, you know, it's, it's a, a mile since a we left the. Standpoint. Uh, yeah, and a mile since we left the smoke, there was that. Oh crap! You know, that's that's a a good moment of suspense. But I I feel like it's got a longer play, and they're going to use it in different ways. And just seeing the terror, uh, don't let anyone know. Don't let anyone know. Right. But right. That will yeah. factor. And there, in. I mean, I like that in her as leader, right? But yeah. you know, she's wanting to, uh, you know, to continue on terrified but strong mm -hmm. as a leader still, and mm -hmm. I like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's clearly, there are clearly going to be trouble. Yeah. So I feel like we're either going to get no Numenor or lots of Numenor in episode eight. Because, yeah. I, I, I suspect no Numenor. Yeah, or a little, I, a a a little I think bit. a tiny bit. Like, I think we're going to have to see all of our main characters in the locations where they're going to pick up in season two. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're going to see the ship come into port know that Farazan's being a little shifty, but that could literally just be like a side eye. You know, yep. it doesn't have to be a ton of narrative. So I think everybody just has to geographically end up in the place where they're going to start well, we, off. We may, we may need to see Alendal and Aryan yeah. reunited. Yeah. yeah, because we also need to know that she's up to something because we haven't had much of her for many episodes. We've but been what they gave us, they left in five. But what they gave us early on was kind of specific. Like you can tell yes. they're laying some foundations mm -hmm. for her to be doing something. So I think she's they're totally going to build the Temple of yeah. Morgoth. So they're going to have to give us a bit more of her. It's my prediction. So what would make her turn to be because her dad's pissed off? And I think that she's already in the she's already in the pro on direction. She's already she was she was against yeah. it from the start, yeah. right? And this is just going to prove stop them to from her. leaving. The yeah. other thing is she's lost a mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now she, lost a brother. She care well. We'll see when she finds out that he's yeah. still alive. But death is. On her mind. Mm. Ah, the mortality. Mortality. So anything that says, well, you know, mm -hmm. this is how we're going to mm -hmm. stave yep. off death. It was clearly the preservation, like the, what was upsetting her. The reason she was calling after Farazan and everything seemed clearly to be like, I am afraid for, to, to yeah. lose, yeah. Yep. you know, my, my brother and my father. Um, and so, yes, seeing her as a focal point of the increasing mortality anxiety uh, in Numenor I think would, would be interesting and does seem likely um, that it could even begin with her and then sort of spread mm -hmm. to Farazan mm -hmm. uh, in a sense from her mm -hmm. I think would be would be really interesting um, but yeah so I I'm trying to, as far as like where that plot is going to end the oath of Muriel and Galadriel saying, and the elves will be ready, felt like it could have been the end of season one. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. we could not return to Numenor at all, and the Numenor plot line would be in a, not in a happy place, but it would be in a good place for the end of, of, of the season. I agree. I, too, would like to see... I, I don't want to leave Elendil where we left him. Yeah. That would feel 
but you Different could. Color. We could. Yeah, it'd be hard. We really could. It'd be painful. Um, but it's not a loose end just dangling. We kind of know where he is and what's right. being set up. Right. But I feel like if we're going to go back, go back to Numenor, we have to do the. I don't know. I I kind of feel like if we go there, we have to do the thing. How is Miro going to respond? What's Ferrisan going to do in response? Um, we could even return. It's possible we could even return to find Tar Palantir okay. dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the question of the succession comes up right away, yeah. and Muriel's yep. blind, and Farazhan yep. is king by the end of episode eight. Yep. Could very well happen. Yep. Um, mm. And then we don't know, and and th and that's the end. And mm -hmm. then we don't know what's coming after that. So I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like it's all or nothing. That would make sense story. too, because then that whole oath of we will be back means nothing, because she wasn't in charge. So then right. that whole idea is immediately. But threatened. she's not going to give up on her oath, right. and so she's going to be working for that. And right. It'll be, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. Um, and who knows? Who knows whether that even then becomes something that then brings Anarian and the faithful in? Like, is she gonna go to the faithful? Mm -hmm. You know, when Farazan, you know, when her influence and power in mainstream Numenor drops to zero, mm -hmm. basically after Farazan becomes king, is she gonna go to, you know, to the faithful? And and you know, I don't know. I don't know. The arc I'm curious about and would like to hear your thoughts on is Gilgalad. Where do we think he needs to get to before season two? Because this is a different Gilgalad than we all expected. Yeah, so it is. when are we going to start to see the one that we know? <laughs> I think, so, I don't know when the forging of the rings is going to happen, when the realization of, of the Sauron, well, he may already, because of the eruption, be thinking that, that Sauron's back. I suspect his attitude to, to Gladriel is going to be the big change for him, mm. yes. possibly in possibly in episode eight. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, that's exactly what uh, Ibrahim was asking. Um, what what conversation do we anticipate between Gilgalad and Galadriel? Mm, yeah. I think it could be, as Ibrahim was suggesting, I mean, on the one hand, you could say she was already in trouble for defying the will of the High King before, and now you know, what she's done is, a, is an order of magnitude higher than that. And, and I, think he, I think he'll still be upset about that. Yeah. But I think he will realise now, whether it's just because of Orodruin or because of something else that happens, that she was right all mm. along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, well, also, the other thing that I can't help but remember is the episode five thing, when he explained very briefly to Elrond why he sent Galadriel away. Mm that he says that he thought that by sending Galadriel away, yes. they could stop the corruption. Like it would, that it would like prevent the corruption of the trees spreading more. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. What? No, what? Yeah, yeah he said that. <laughs> you, you just block your ears Apparently, whenever Gilgalad speaks. Apparently, what? <laughs> no, he's, he, he, you're crazy, Gilgalad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was one of the things that he said that yeah. I disbelieve. Yeah. Um, that is that I disbelieve he's right about. Um, he said something like that, so, but he said it in order to set up saying, but it didn't work, right? You know, but it's, you know, but it still kept happening. That didn't fix it. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, I don't think when Galadriel comes back, he's going to be like, oh, well, you there again. we go. Yeah. Right, there <laughs> we go. I mean, I think that he, um, especially since if Elrond is there, we're going to come back to the first oath that was made in the show. Oh, well, second, if you count Galadriel's taking up the oath of Finrod. 
Um, but that happens quasi off stage and in flashback, yeah. right? Um, but Elrond's oath, which was a very serious oath that he took, that if Galadriel turned out to be right, that he would, you know, never stop the fight. And, you mm -hmm. know, he, so that is clearly going to come into play. Mm -hmm. um, Elrond is clearly going to be very firmly on Galadriel's side, mm -hmm. I think. I look forward to that to conversation, this. too. I want to see the reunion yes. of Galadriel and Elrond, because clearly they're yes. very deep, dear friends, and I want more of that relationship building. Yes, yes. And I also think that will soften Galadriel. I think that's going to give us that other perspective that we haven't had a lot of opportunity yeah. to see from her. Well, and I am fascinated to see how her whole shift of perspective that we saw in Episode 7. I mean, she mm. really turned a corner. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I make yeah. a, a prediction? Sure. Yeah. I th I wonder if whatever Killer Brimbor has cooked up mm -hmm. uh, will require. Oh, uh, am I allowed to say the name of the episode tonight? Uh, sure. It's Alloyed. 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 Alloyed, as in uh, to do with an alloy. To do with, with alloys. But it's the past Kay. participle. Uh, yes. Alloyed. Yeah. Yes. I wonder. Huh. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. So my, my theory is that whatever Celebrimbor has cooked up will need not just mithril, yeah. but will need other metals yeah. that have seen the light of the Valar. Oh, uh, he's going to want to okay. melt down her dagger. And they're going to need her dagger, uh -huh. and that's going to be the final giving up the revenge. Oh, mm, wow. Right, handing it over. Is her giving up wow. Finrod's dagger. Huh. That's, wow. that's my prediction. Interesting. There you go. You We're heard it here put first. Put that on your bingo card. <laughs> We're going to melt down Galadriel's dagger. Wow, that would be... Yeah. Can't okay. say her dagger crossed my mind that much. So, yeah, that makes sense, though. It's, I mean, I it has been set up to... I mean, I think we're going to see a definite, like, decision we're making rings by the end of this episode. And it's called Rings of Power, and we've yet to have yeah. rings. So I feel yes. like that has to yeah. be set yeah. up. Yeah, that we were talking about last week. Yeah. I still think there's no question. We have to... We don't have to produce a ring of power no. by the end of season one. It's okay if we don't actually have a ring. I don't want us to, but I think we will. There may be, and I, I'm not going to, I wouldn't, like, if, if like, well, the final scene is, like, somebody holding a no, ring No, I feel like the closing it, shot's going to be, like, the metal going into the mold it depends or something, which, you know? It depends which it is, right? So which the ring? Yeah, so the other aspect yeah. of this is where are we at in terms of the Anatar in a region? Yeah, mm. exactly. If Anatar's already been working in a region yeah. with Celebrimbor, yes. then we could be quite far along in our ring-making Yes. Yeah. Um, the craft, I mean, you know, to when they start doing the Rings of Power. Yeah. So it's possible that, you know, they've, they've started the, the craft of yes. the rings. Um, I think that, well, do we think that Anatar's going to be... Yes. Revealed? Revealed in episode mm. eight. Yeah. I do. That's what I am, that's what I am expecting. As having been in, as having yes. been in a region for quite some time already? Yes. Yeah. That yes. would also solve, I mean, I, I don't think they can keep up this who's Sauron game for much longer. No. Like, I think they're going to have to reveal that yep. before season two. So that would make sense yeah. to show us I couldn't help but notice in the, the second time, the second episode that we see Killer Brimbor, when he's in a region, you know when he, he, he seems very disturbed? He's distracted. He plays that role almost exactly the same way that Ian Holm plays mm. Bilbo when he's under the influence of the ring. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that was deliberate. Ooh, That's interesting. That'd be nice. That he's distracted because 
He's already, He's already under, under the, the influence of, of, of Sauron or Anatar. That'd yeah. be a fun scene study. Yeah, yeah. that would be fun. He even, yeah. I even think he says uh, something along the lines of, it's a funny thing. Or he says some mm. line that's yes. almost that's exactly really like Bilbo's. That's really reminiscent of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Huh. I hadn't thought of that yeah, connection, but you're right. That those are very similar. Um, yes, w it, to the scene when Bilbo realizes the ring is still in his pocket. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, that's very interesting. And by oh. the way, to those uh, watching, no, I have not seen the clip that was dropped today. I am I not am engaging not, with not any of that. To it. I, am, I am avoiding <laughs> it. I've mostly just seen all the conversation about how many spoilers are in all the content that has been dropped today, and I have no interest in that. I, so. and, and for me, it's not even about spoilers. It's oh. like if I have to choose between seeing video clips without context yes. now, or video clips with context in nine hours, I'm gonna wait nine hours. Yeah. It's not a big deal to me. So, so. I, I've deliberately not given my prediction based on, <laughs> yes. on the vanity on fair. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. have another prediction, but people, I've put it on Twitter with a, 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 a chop spoilers tag. <laughs> people can, can look yeah. at it. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, I, I, I like trailers when there's nothing else. <laughs> like when it's six months before the show yeah. and all we have are trailers, it's fun to watch the trailers and think about that. But in the middle of the show, I am not interested in trailers. To that point, I think that's going to be really interesting, too. What are we going to get after this episode wraps and before season two starts? Like, do you think they have little bits that they're going to trickle out to keep us engaged? Do we have... Before we get to that, can I just ask, do you think we're going to find out who the stranger is? Oh. In episode eight. Um, so, on the one hand... Yes, in this, it's, it, there's a I think there's going to be some kind of resolution to that plot. I don't think it's still going to be mystery upon mystery. Afterwards. I feel like I always wait for Corey to answer and be like, I don't know, what does he think? But I'm like, I don't think they're going to tell us everything. But no, I, think I don't think they're going to tell us I feel like there's going to be a resolution. Knows well, yeah. It's, it's like yeah. what I've been saying about Sauron, and in particular the Halbrand equals Sauron thing, is I suspect what gets revealed in episode eight is not going to be easily settle that question. Mm. I think there are going to be people that go, I was right, and people that go, no, you, weren't, were, you were wrong, no, I, I was right. I don't know if they would leave that hanging. I don't know. Yeah. I think we're going to have some resolutions, some like, ah, okay, but there's going to be a lot of new questions. Mm -hmm. But that'll be more about his journey rather than who he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. what's his intention? Where's his movements? What's he after? What are those stars? You know, all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll know a bit more about that. So, like, his actual yes. push and not who he is. But, yeah, the problem is there's literally nobody in that entire plot line to give exposition. That's true. Yeah. Who's gonna say? Who's gonna be like, ah. But. I, am, I mean, is, is it gonna be like, I'm a blue wizard? Like, nobody can say that No, phrase. but he's journeying somewhere. So he's journeying he somewhere. could then, you know, arrive somewhere, maybe someone else is there that can give context, or he does maybe. something that shows us. Well, I, which I think he's been doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's, it's, to some extent, I, it doesn't feel to me like a huge mystery. I mean, yeah, like, is he Gandalf or not, I guess, mm -hmm. is still unresolved. Are we really still, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't see any real, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he looks wizardly, and therefore, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, if, if you think about this, right, um, of all of the things we ever see, if you take the things that wizards do in Middle-earth, and you put them all into one pot, Gandalf did 95% of them, yeah. sure. right? So if you make him act wizardly, He's going to be acting like Gandalf 95% like of yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. So the mere fact that right. he resembles Gandalf in some ways 
to me, I mean, that could mean that right. he's Gandalf, but it could simply mean he's a wizard because I also Gandalf is our wizard. Yeah, and I don't feel like that payoff would really pay off. Like, if you tell me that's yeah. Gandalf, I'll go, okay. Okay. You know, it doesn't feel like, ooh. I agree. <laughs> I, it does not feel like it's building to yeah. a big reveal yeah. about that or that it would, and, and, and yeah. So maybe. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. Could he remember his own name or something? That could be. Maybe. Yeah. That may be the yeah. reveal. You know, yeah. That, yeah. that could yeah. be the reveal. Um, or the mystic finally speaks and it's his name because he knows who he is. Right. So maybe that guy, that's the first time they use language is to actually identify who he is. That's possible. That's possible. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I'm expecting some kind of resolution, um, especially, certainly, re resolution. The thing, because the thing that most needs resolution is his relationship with Nori and the Harfoots. Yep. Right. And the Harfoots was the other one where it's like we don't really need more from them plot-wise. We know where they're going, but we do need to see what the next step is, and that yeah. that is their pursuit is the stranger. So yeah. that will resolve that storyline. And as well. of course, some kind of with the you know, mystics, cultists, some kind of, I don't know where that's leading mm. exactly. It doesn't have to be totally resolved, obviously. Mm -hmm. We need like, the cultists to all die or something and have that be finished. No. Um, but something that would indicate so that we know their motivation. The big arc has to take off by the yeah. end of this episode. It doesn't yeah. have to, I don't think anything's going to be resolved. Hopefully it's like, comfortably ended so we're intrigued it's not left hanging but i feel like everybody's big arc has to take well off. let's come back to your the question you'd started asking which you know what are we going to do for the next two years what yeah. are we going to right and we'll see what trickles out from that but yeah. I'm, I'm just curious like film wise like what content have they got that's going to kind of keep filming all right of us now, right? yeah so i mean they can't have too much to release mm. you wouldn't think but there might be little snippets or something Maybe. but i also don't think they're going to reveal much because part of the success of season one I think has been the asking questions and that curiosity so right. I don't think they would carry that through a season break oh we'll see yeah JJ I'm gonna be really interested to see about the if boy if there's a fiddle involved people the internet is gonna explode explode what's this if there's a fiddle Man oh. the Moon thing. Man oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Ah, that one. <laughs> they, have made, they have made odd references to a connection to the moon. Yeah, I like it. A lot of I them. I like it. I mean, the, the if idea you're looking for that conspiracy there, you will find the oh, clues. Yeah. The idea that this whole sequence is going to be thousands of years later, the origin of, like, will be only remembered in Hobbit legend as the Man in the Moon story. Um, I love. I yes. love, love that, yes. that idea. So any kind of Easter eggs they want to embed with that, I'm down for it. Um, I, st I still think the idea of Tillian himself descending to Earth for some reason and doesn't make any, apart from no. the fact that he is not acting the least, le le least bit, he, Tillian's no. a hunter. The stranger right. is not a hunter, yeah. right? I mean, it's just this, uh, even if you ignore the fact that what, what on Earth is he doing and who's driving the moon and, and whatever, you know, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, no, it's clearly not Tillian himself. But the connection to the man in the moon, I love the connection to the man in the moon. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So yeah, if there is a fiddle, people are gonna lose it. Lose it. What about Adar? What Adar. Do think, what do you think oh, we're, yeah, what we are we gonna, yeah, what are we gonna do with him? Day. Where do you think he's, he's gonna be? He's in day one of his retirement, right? Yeah. <laughs> right he's, from he's, his perspective? He's given his children well, a home. Okay, except, um, when, when and how does he become a god? He was planning that. Mm. That was like 
did face. He, did he mean he would become a god or that he would be viewed or by his children yeah, as a god? His, his okay. legacy would be godlike. God-like. It would be very Adar-esque for him to be thinking just from like an Uruk perspective, mm-hmm. right? So as the one who blotted out the sun and provided a home, the orcs of future generations will remember him as the god of the orcs. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Do you think he's going to survive this episode? Because if he died and the big bad then stepped in, we'd Who have would a transition. Kill him and why? If he's competition. No, but I mean, who? Like, are the and the survivors of the Southlands gonna attack Mordor? And if not them, is Galadriel gonna bring Halbrand and his septic wound up there, get healed, resolve the Gilgalad story, and then come back down that's to Meregion? A lot to ask to Mordor episode. in episode eight. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. I think we have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Mordor, yeah. construct Baradur, yeah. make and Kick forge him the out. ring. And we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And Adar's so good, I don't want him to be gone no. yet. Yeah. No, we I, need that I, to carry through. I think I'm done. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing else that his I mean, as an antagonist, clearly Halbrand and also in a sense Galadriel have um though I think ha, ha, I was gonna let me finish my sentence. Have unfinished business with Adar. Though I think that Galadriel's unfinished business with Adar probably involves like forgiveness mm. Mm. or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that was Adar was was with her on her worst day. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that was horrible. <laughs> yes, uh, and, and his storyline was so important for us yes. to see that other perspective too. Yes. That yeah, I feel like we we need to spend more time with that of seeing the reasons he's doing what he's doing. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that he stays. Even, it would not surprise me at all if he, okay, okay, how about this? (laughs) Adar's future trajectory is to follow up what he was saying and to become the antagonist of Sauron. When Sauron wants to return and claim Mordor Mm -hmm. and use that as the center of his, but he wants Mount Doom. That's what I'm thinking. When you say like, who's gonna do it? I'm like, he is, but not yet. But then notice Adar and the refugees would now be on the same side mm. against Sauron. And so could the, I mean, I'm not saying they're gonna reconcile and all become the closest of friends, right? But it would be interesting if there were opportunities actually for Adar and like Arondir and Isildur mm-hmm. to work together against Sauron. One thing that I've heard a couple of people remark is during the last alliance. I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. It's said right, that all groups oh, other, yeah. than the, other, than the elves, yeah. other than the elves, other than the elves, were on both sides. I hadn't thought of that. Yes, so we could get orcs on both sides. Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. I mean, think of those alliance ties and the, yeah. the pools of loyalty. Oh and wow! Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Wow. I think you blew his mind a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's just that's that's. Um, being like, well, I was just kind of making that up, but uh, <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah, there you go, supporting my wild theory <laughs> about a future alliance between. But cause the the, if not an active alliance, at least a, a sort of like we have a common enemy. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say situation. my enemy's enemies, exactly. my friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so, but that also leading to an opportunity. I don't know that Galadriel and Adar need to be reconciled exactly, but I. I where that was left, yeah. that, that's not. There's more. That's not okay. There's more for them. Yeah. yeah. So having them be scene. into that kind of place would be. So I can't see 
a fight against Adar being a plot line mm -hmm. in episode eight. I mean, obviously the Southland, but they're not there yet. Again, no. there's no way that the survivors of the eruption are going to be rallying an invasion. Mm -hmm. we, we may not see Adar no, in episode No, we may eight. not. We may not. I think. Oh, I um, hope we do, though. <laughs> an episode so without Adar is. But, like, is, that closing uh, shot of Seven, though, was so good. You know, yeah. like, he had established what he had planned to establish. We could end there, and I wouldn't be left hanging. I just want to see more of him because I think his character is really well developed. Yes. But there's others that are not as well developed that we need to spend time with, so right. we care about them <laughs> into and, season and that, two. That, that last scene with Mount Doom in the background, yeah. I've heard multiple non book readers film watches only who for whom the penny dropped yeah. at that yeah. exact moment that was the moment where they're like that's, that's more yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah yeah but yeah. then you get the southlands wiped away i'm like we get it now yeah <laughs> <laughs> see i i don't know i i like the title thing oh yeah and the reason i didn't dislike it i was just kind of rolling yeah. my eyes Him saying it. the word would have been much worse in my opinion much cheesier you mean. not just che cheesier but also Telling, coming back showing. to coming back to the language thing it's not his name for it it's yeah so right. just yeah, would, yeah right. i would have had a problem with it right right i shall call it the black land that's what <laughs> i shall name it right yeah. yeah yeah um right um but no the way that the the, the way that they've been using map labels mm -hmm. all along you know and the, the ties to the map um i they i work yeah I, I i kind of like that and as you say the like let's actually draw because in a sense, it doesn't matter what Adar calls it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, nobody cares. No. Right. Nobody cares what Adar's he name calls for it. Home. He yeah. calls, calls it home. He just calls it home. Calls it Fred. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, it, but that's not what matters. Yeah. What matters is that this is so that the you know the 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 putting of the word on the screen is not just a reveal. It's like a prophecy, right? It tells us what is coming. It point. It's a it's a pointer to the future, but it's a pointer to the future that would have been awkward to put in anybody's mouth. Yes. Yeah. Um, wait, except Galadriel already said it. Um, she said this Shadowland, mm. which she is does. also a near translation of the word Mordor. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So I like that. That's I'm nice. like, oh, yeah, little, that's little, a good little setup. More Dorian Easter egg mm -hmm. there in the, in the middle of the episode. It was to th in the, her first conversation with Theo, I think. Um, she, she, she called well, I mean, it you the can Shadowland. you can imagine that's how the name came about. The yeah. elves were just referring to it. That's as what that they called it. The Shadowland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. That dark place. But yeah. Yeah. I think we'll see more Theo to see what his trajectory is, but we're kind of in good shape there. I think the only other one we don't really know much about is Waldrag, and I can't say I care that much. Well, we, he was with Adar. He was the one starting the, um, you know, hail Adar. Yeah. Uh, chance at the end. I kind of feel like his role is complete, though. Like, I don't know if we're going to need to see much more from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a red shirt now. Exactly. <laughs> he's done. He's done. Yeah, he's, he's played his role. Yeah. Um, uh, did you see that meme? I love that meme. Uh, meme that showed two pictures of Waldreg, and it says, I want to hear more about Waldreg. Sauron wouldn't have gotten far without him, would he? <laughs> 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 I've not seen that. That's wonderful. Brilliant. Uh, one of my favorite Rings of Power memes. That's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to start collecting them. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Oh. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, so um, uh, anyhow. Yeah, I, Theo also, again, is another one of those people that I'm not sure. We could get nothing. 
Theo holding up Galadriel's sword, saying strength to the Southlands. He has made that step into the you know, next. Roll credits, yeah. I'm ready for season yeah. two. I, I, I wouldn't object. Like, I'm not feeling I yeah. need more from Theo, but I wouldn't be surprised if I did get it. But that has absolutely established his next directory. He's taken up a sword. He's yeah. stepped into, you know, being a grown-up <laughs> next yeah. round. Yeah. yeah, he's setting himself up to become a king of yeah. Bane to get receive a ring. I still think, yeah, I still think he's going to become a bad guy, and I think that's going to be because of Bronwyn's death. I don't know if we're going to see that in mm -hmm. episode eight, but I feel like that's going to be what makes him turn because he's going to be tempted. But it would be more plausible for him to receive a ring if he has a a, a, a major role okay. as yes. a, yeah. a yes. position, of position of power. Position of power, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. I don't think... There's stuff to resolve in the sense of, like, I, I, I want to see Pilargear. I want to get some kind of a sense of, because, again, I think what we are seeing is proto-Gondor mm -hmm. there now. And so I do think we need to get some sense of here's how that this is going to move and develop so that even when we come back and find Pilargear now a thriving town, we have some basis of understanding how it's composed of Numenorians mm -hmm. and Southlanders together and whatever. Um, but there's, I don't see any tension to be resolved mm. there. Like, it's just, let's see them set up their homes. I think that's just the geography the thing. We just need yeah. to know where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Know where they are, yeah. see how they're, are, and, and some, like, who's in charge? Halbrand mm -hmm. left, right? Hail the king, farewell to the king. And Good luck. Good luck mm -hmm. with that. And now we've got Bronwyn in a position of leadership, Arondir, um, who seems perfectly content to be her right hand in, in, in leadership. But now we've got Isildur and the Numenorians there, and how's that going to work out? But again, this is not like this is a there's going to be a battle kind of tension, mm -hmm. right? You know, right. We, we've we've got that's bits resolved conflict yeah. in the Harfoot thing with the Mystics, right? Yeah. We've got um, conflict in the you know Gilgalad storyline with you know yeah. Anatar and the fading. And, you know, well, the, that's the, the time when we spent the else. least time with. You know, yes. we had a full episode of the Southlands and Numenor in that battle and a little bit of the Harfoots and the Stranger last time. So like we have some progression on those, but we haven't spent time with the elves in a couple episodes. I feel like we need a lot more with that yeah. to set us up. Yep. Which clearly is what we're gonna get. But yeah. yeah. No, I I bet you we're gonna be very well, not Linden, but very Oregi and heavy, very, very elf, elf heavy. heavy. Yeah. 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 In this land. We may get no Casa Doom. We may get Sad. no Adar. Sad. We may only get a little bit Harfoots. of. Well, no, I, I expect More a Harfoots. bunch of Harfoots. I would think. I would think the. A little bit of Numenor. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit of or a lot of Numenor. A lot of elves. Which way they go. Either a little bit or a lot. <laughs> um, Those are the two options. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are. Um, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna predict we're gonna get Farazhan crowned. Okay. It's my fearless prediction. I think we're gonna get our Farazhan by the end of episode eight. And the reason I think that is that we have not seen Farazhan since episode five. And I think that just leaving him hanging is gonna be too much. And I think it makes sense pacing-wise for him to, at the end of season one, take over in season two, right, have him, we, we're gonna get the uh, phase two uh, colonial activities and stuff. We'll get some tension between, you know, um, like are the Numenorians gonna be an, an enemy or an ally, right? We don't really know if we can count on them and what's going on until, of course, in the end, he is going to come in and pull their biscuits out of the fire, 
during the war in Eriador, which is presumably season three, right? Mm -hmm. But season two will be him establishing his power and um, stuff with Elendil and the Aryan and conflict with internal conflict mm -hmm. with the faithful, right? Um, active persecution of the faithful in Numenor, mm -hmm. right? The outlawing of that and we're gonna, like all that stuff might be the focus of, of, of season two before we turn back to Middle-earth from Numenor in season three. Um, but I think it, it sets that up well, mm -hmm. if um, so, I'm 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 predicting, Farazan will be crowned. I don't know if I go straight in to six hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and check. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see him fully crowned because that feels like a, a lot to happen in an episode, but it absolutely could be pulled off if they wanted right. to. I definitely think we're well, going to see Farazan plotting. I think we're yeah. definitely going to see a or mistrust. Or I should say scepter. Scepter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely think we'll see him plotting to take that role on, if if not fully on sceptered. Yeah. 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 So Tar Palantir dead. Dead. Dead on arrival. Yeah. Of the DOA. Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's my guess. Yeah. That's my guess. Or dies soon after arrival. Right. And then Muriel lives in his tower. Yeah. Blind Muriel is living in his tower. Yep. In, uh, under similar circumstances. Under similar circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's my expectation. Illusion um, with a Harfoot plot. Yeah. Um, Again, mostly the, re the reuniting of them with the stranger and a clearer sense of what the purpose is, yep. um, which will emerge from the, the confrontation with the mystics. Yep. And then something. And I some rings. I bet you we're going to get Durin. Which? Young. Mm. Durin the Younger. I think that uh, the artist formerly known as Prince Durin is going to be um, present mm -hmm. with Elrond. Mm -hmm. um, He'll be in the elf story, like episode five when he was in Linden. Mm -hmm. um, so he'll be in the elf context. Um, but I suspect, I suspect we'll get him. I mean, that last rather ominous conversation with Disa could very well, again, that could it's have a been a, conversation. you know, credits roll, end of season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we'd be left. But, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah but, but yeah, I, 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 I suspect we'll see him, but I don't think he'll be a focal point. Um, and... I think that Elrond is going to be the... Felvin, I mean, uh -huh. I'm able to look at this with fresh eyes because I am not part of them. I Ooh, think that's going, yeah. to, it's going to lead him to yeah. be the one to figure things out and yep. um, either unearth, you know, uncover Anatar's mm -hmm. presence or... Alert them to it. Yeah. 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 we got to wrap up, guys. We do. We're over time. Okay. Well, Dang. Thanks for joining hey, us. Look at that that was really it. fun. Great to have you. Yeah. yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. So, say so it's not going to usually. Not only are we not usually together, but we to have a too. to have a special guest physically with us is uh, uh, pretty it's thrilling. Unusual. Absolutely awesome. So, just so for folks who joined late. We will be doing the watch party tonight. We're going to be doing a live watch party here in the studio. Uh, so we're going to have a live audience. Um, I will be streaming the watch party, and we'll sync that up with our watching here. Um, I won't have audio on because otherwise you'll get audio bleed from the room and everything. So I'll have no audio on during the show, but I will have camera on. Um, so that just means if you scoff or roll your eyes, you have to be very dramatic oh, about it. So I, we all know. I suspect that will happen. <laughs> so yes. Uh, so yes, if you're looking to see our reactions, you'll see our reactions on screen. Um, and then after afterwards, uh, Maggie and I will uh, stand in the front and uh, do a bit discuss, of chat. Uh, with Folks in the room will also be working to take comments and stuff from. We'll be broadcasting this on the Signum Twitch channel, so that's Twitch 
twitch.tv slash SignumU is where you can find that. And that's midnight, midnight tonight. We will stay. Eastern. They, they tend to drop the episode a little bit before midnight, um, but we, we, we'll we start, start at midnight, midnight um, so that it's clear whenever when when we're starting for everybody. And so. then tomorrow we're noon on Twitter Spaces. Noon on Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Yep. And yep. that's it for a little bit. We'll be filming Rings and Realms, but you'll see that next week. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then we'll be hard at work on Rings and Realms.